and welcome to Talking Business with me, Danny Pardo. In these interviews, we'll be exploring employability insights, career advice, educational experiences, life stories and more from a wide variety of people in a wide variety of industries with the ultimate aim of helping you to make decisions about your studies and your career. If you like what you hear, please do rate, review, share and subscribe to this podcast. It's all very much appreciated. So here we go. Let's talk business. Hello everyone and welcome to Talking Business with Danny Pardo. On this episode, I get the pleasure of talking business with Connor. And Connor is the Managing Director of Not Going to Uni. And if you haven't heard of Not Going to Uni, how have you not heard of Not Going to Uni? It's absolutely everywhere. And we're going to be talking about alternatives to the traditional university way of education. So we'll be talking a lot about apprenticeships, degree apprenticeships, and work-based learning and the importance of it, which if you know anything about me, you'll know that that's a subject I'm very passionate about, both personally and professionally. So without further ado, let's go. Let's talk business with Connor. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talking Business with Danny Pardo. We are chatting to Connor today from Not Going to Uni. So if that's something you've never heard of before, by the time we get to the end of this, you will know all about it. You know all about Connor. So hello, Connor. How are you doing today? Yeah, really well. Really well. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. Um, We spoke briefly, uh, kind of pre-recording, how passionate I am about what you do at not going to uni so I'm looking forward to diving deep into that and what you've been up to and what's coming next for you but before we get there who are we speaking to today who is Connor yeah. so I'm um, actually only 22 um, which is always the biggest shock um, when people when people chat to me um, so 22 and I'm the managing director of uh, not going to uni which still feels a bit weird when I say it given my age and my um youthful nature <laughs> yeah putting the words managing director and 22 year old they don't normally go very well together so no they amazing. don't <laughs> <laughs> um but you know it, it was something i always i always knew from when i sort of got into um the business sphere so to speak um of working full-time i knew i wanted to work my way up the the food chain quite quickly um i became quite driven success financially there were a number of things different that sort of drove me um to to want to succeed and one of those things was was i wanted to run my own company um or run a company quite quickly um that opportunity i actually started my career at not going to uni a few years ago when i left school i was a junior salesperson um fresh fresh out of school didn't even understand really what selling was to be honest with you it was probably well no not probably i was quite naive um to the industry to sales a lot of people were going you don't get sales mate um, you know it was that attitude but um actually found out I could sell um I think the big thing is I can talk to people I've always been quite confident in myself I've always quite enjoyed talking to people when I was in school I always had part-time jobs that were client facing customer facing whether it was in retail retail or hospitality um so so pivoting sales actually kind of works fit my skill set works my way up quite quickly left for a couple of years to go and work at Springpod, um, which I went into Springpod when it was just received their seed funding, I think it was. Um, so really startup stage. And I basically did a, a MBA. I basically did a business degree at Springpod for 18 months, two years, um, because working in a startup, and if there's any young people watching, I 100% recommend at some point work for a startup because 
you're in an environment where you learn so much. You know, you're sat in an office with the founders of the business, with the tech team, listening to conversations about raising Series A investment, about accounting procedures, about marketing procedures, and so on. And then, and then obviously came back to not going to uni initially as commercial director, and then after nine months transition to take over from the existing MD. Um, and actually, you know, I, I'm quite thankful for that time I had first, my first time not going to uni, my time at Springbrook, because what it did was it gave me that grounding mm. of lots of different areas, which I've been able to then bring, bring to not going to uni um, and, 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 you know, achieve the success we have achieved in, in 10 months now. Yeah, because very interesting what you say very about working for a startup because if you work for a large organization you are not going to get to sit in on those meetings are you and people are no. spread all over the place but when you've got a startup it is everybody in the same room people are often doing two or three roles um very rarely you might not have separate departments there won't be a mm. 20 people strong hr team or marketing team yeah. and everybody's together and you got the chance to learn from everybody all at once um and you yeah, said an important thing there you said when i left school so was there no college involved here are we uh, are we skipping the a level b tech route yeah so i so i did do a levels so apologies my fault when i when i said finish school when i finished sixth form yeah um, but my secondary school and my sixth form were the same place gotcha um so i went straight into never really looked at i, I did look at a couple of options but never really wanted to go down the fe college route I, I kind of call myself semi-academic is the way I describe myself in school I was the subjects I was really passionate about I excelled in um, and I was also quite good at things like English I don't know I think it's because I read a lot and I read a lot as a kid and my parents always pushed me to read um, but then other subjects I when I wasn't interested when it didn't spark something inside of me I just didn't try to be quite honest with you and that's Again, any young people watching, don't use that as advice. <laughs> it's too late. You, you've said it now. That's going to be the same. <laughs> <from> the advert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I listened to a podcast and some guy said, I don't need to try if I don't like the subject. But yeah, yeah. Simple as. It all worked out. It all worked out okay. But I was a semi-academic, but I, I thought always thought sixth form was the right pathway for me. Um, I was obviously staying with my friendship group, with my circle and everything else. So went on to do A-levels. Um, when I went to do A-levels, though, my levels don't really correlate to what I'm doing now because I did double um, BTEC level three, it would have been sport. So two of my options were that. And one of them was media studies. And I guess you could say with media studies, there's some similarities, but not loads. Um, didn't do business, didn't do economics, didn't do a lot. A lot of things people assume I would have done, I didn't do. Because um, yep. I was quite big on sport. I did my FA level on coaching badge. I was doing a lot of football coaching and things like this. So um Anyway, so, so I went through sixth form, did do my UCAS application. Um, our school said we had to do our UCAS application, even though in theory you don't. But from the school's perspective, it's a stat. If they can say that 100% of students that applied to the university at least got offers, it's a great stat as a sales story. Um, I actually rejected those offers just because I looked, at, I looked at the market, I looked at people I knew, and actually I knew a lot of people that went to university and just, some of them were just unemployed. And I was like, huh. So there's no guarantees here. And then a lot of people, namely one of my, like my brother, for example, and a number of other people didn't go to universities and were soaring. So I was like, hold on. So there's no science here really mm. behind you guaranteed success with university and you guaranteed success without. It's kind of, I think it's down to the individual. So, so. took the took the pathway of, of deciding to reject my offers and, you know, go into the, the big bad world. And you're also not guaranteed there to, the subject that you study when you're 17, 18, that that will be your life as well. I mean, 
I presume that there was pressure on you or maybe not pressure, but certainly maybe expectations, maybe even in your own head, that sport will be what you do for the rest of your life. Oh, and and now you don't. 100%. And, you know, my my dad's a PE teacher, so obviously sport was definitely um, big in his mind. Um, And... I actually, his, a lot of his family are quite sporty um, and I'd grew up around football and coaching and this and this and this. So there's not direct pressure, like you have to go into a sport career, but you put pressure on yourself because you're in that environment and because of the people you mix around and, and all these kind of things. But thankfully, I've always had parents that kind of let me make my own mistakes, if you know what I mean, yeah. and let me make my own decisions and and whether they're right or wrong they'll support them um when it comes to sort of my career pathway thankfully it's been a lot of rights um but that's that's the one thing I'm glad that no one's ever said right I'm a PE teacher so you have to be a PE teacher or you know if my mom was a dentist um she says you have to be a dentist yeah it's, it's never been like that and you seem to be very happy in this role at not going to uni. It seems to match with what you believe in by the sounds mm. of it. Um, but for people who don't know, what is not going to uni? And I see the initials NGTU all over LinkedIn and Twitter and things <laughs> like that. So in case anybody's thinking, how is this all matching up? So what is not going to uni and why should we check yeah. it out? Yeah, so not going to uni has actually had a lot of change in the last 10 months, it's safe to say. Um so at its core, Not Going to Uni is a website for school and college leavers to discover their future career. So we will work with major organisations who utilise Not Going to Uni to, you know, promote and advertise their apprenticeships, gap years, first year jobs, traineeships, things like that. Um, the website's been going for 15 years. It was one of the first, if not the first sort of site of its kind on the market. Uh, 15 years ago, the idea of a you know, degree apprenticeship was... A twinkle in someone's eye um but what we've actually changed to be now is we are an end-to-end recruitment marketing agency for clients wanting to engage with gen z and and younger um one of the big my brief basically from a business perspective when i came in was the business is plateauing we'd only ever done the same thing we only ever had the job board and and it was how can we how can we change that how can we grow the business again and my my model that was we need to be we need to position ourselves as a recruitment marketing agency that knows how to contact and uh, sorry not contact but contact part but engage with this audience that you want to hire so the businesses have been pillared so you've got ngtu social ngtu create ngtu recruit and we've also recently launched our influencer agency inspire so working with careers influencers um, to push out opportunities so we're, we, we've turned into quite a big machine now um, in terms of what we do. But for those transactional kind of, you know, users looking for a job, they can go on the Not Going To Uni website, go and apply for roles on the job board. They can follow us on social and engage in our content. We have ambassadors um, who are doing apprenticeships or gap years or first year jobs who share their stories through our social and everything else. What, you know, I'm passionate about, because I've been in that position. I think that's why it's, that's why it resonates so much. I'm the age I am. I started my career at not going to uni. I didn't go to university despite having my authors. And I've been in that position of actually going, what do I do? And 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 kind of winging it a bit. Um, so, so I'm really passionate about us putting out information and supporting young people in as many ways possible, whether that's something simple like a piece of social content 
or whether that's you know an in-depth guide or whether that's having on you know job listings available or whatever that may be yeah and, and i think what you said there with regards to your age and you've been there and done it there's for perception but if you are managing director that you've done 20 years in that business before you even get a sniff at a job like that but your age 22 you're not far removed from the people who are making these decisions and the people you're interacting 100%. with so your age would you say that's been a definite advantage for you then in terms of kind of hitting into and being able to engage with people who were maybe only say three or four years younger than you or even the same age as you i would presume yeah we need to at the end of the day we're an organization focused on marketing to young people so it makes sense to have young people um or younger people at the helm um it resonates more from a client's perspective they understand it from an outside perspective, they understand it. There's a lot of there's a lot of great benefits. And I've got my ear to the ground as well, because you know, I'm not a million miles away from from doing that journey um, or having done that journey. Um, and then we've got people like our ambassadors who then help that as well and, and everything else. So I want us to be a young organization. I want us to be a really a youth-centric organization at the end of the day. I don't want people to look at us and think we're a you know, middle-aged, male-dominated organisation, um, I want us to actually be seen as that young, youthful organisation that we yeah. that we should be. And that feel comes across. I've, I've watched some of your Instagram live chats, and it's, yeah. it's people that young people can really resonate with and connect with who are going through the same thing as them, who look the same as them, same the same as them, and have the similar experiences to them. And that's really yeah. showing up in what Not Going to Uni does. And it's amazing to say you've been around for 15 years, uh, right at the start of my teaching career. And you said, you know, degree apprenticeships back then, if you'd said what they were, people would have probably laughed you off the streets, wouldn't yeah. they? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've seen them grow and I've seen some of my past students go on and do them and be massively successful and massively happy doing them, that they've made the right choice. So what trends have you been seeing, say, since you've been there in the last year mm. or two? Uh, obviously, the pandemic has changed a lot of things. Uh, but mm. what trends are you seeing with regards to apprenticeships, traineeships and things like that? Yeah, obviously, the elephant in the room is the pandemic. If anyone sat there thinking, did the pandemic affect? Yes, uh, is the long and short answer. <laughs> Um, you know, employers pulled their job roles quicker than they could blink because they, you know, the people hiring didn't even know if they had jobs, let alone hiring more young people. Yeah. Say with a pinch of salt, some industries, your AstraZeneca's, your GSK's and some of the engineering firms and so on still recruited. Um, I think we're going to see quite a big shift in terms of the types of apprenticeships on offer. There's just been a big, um, I say a big announcement, the head of apprenticeships at Co-op's just done an announcement about their HGV apprenticeship scheme they're going to be running. Um, I want to say it's about 300 apprentices they're looking to hire, there or thereabouts, um, in to, because of obviously reacting to what's happened. Um, again, something I don't think people would have ever thought would have been an opportunity. So there's going to be a lot of, because of Brexit, because of the pandemic, because of, different things going on in our economy and so on. I think we're going to see an introduction of a lot of new roles that we may be never considered. I think the long and short is bar sort of becoming a doctor and things like this. There's going to be an apprenticeship for most, most careers in some guys. There already is in some ways for some careers, it's a bit 50, 50, but, but that's the way we're going um, is that 
a lot of people still make the common misconception. They go, well, to be a solicitor or a lawyer, you need to go to university. And it's like, well, actually, you don't, because there's a solicitor apprenticeship scheme. In fact, some of our ambassadors are solicitor apprentices and they're, they're working on cases that a qualified solicitor would work on uh, that's had 15, 20 years experience. So so I think that's that's going to keep happening, that that innovation, um, the Institute of um, uh, the Institute of Aeronautical and Space and all that kind of stuff announced their um, space based apprenticeship scheme, which is really cool. Um, astronaut apprenticeship like you know (laughs) this is this is the kind of this what i mean people still have that misconception that okay for 90 percent of careers there's not an apprenticeship scheme and apprenticeships are only for manual electrician plumber things like this but actually that that was exactly my next question the the image of apprenticeships say five ten years ago apprenticeships oh you want to be an apprentice oh you must want to work in construction because that's all you can do with an apprenticeship and it's it's fascinating you know the words that you're using here aerospace apprenticeships (laughs) i I mean you imagine saying that five ten years ago people again it it just wouldn't have happened And, and also hearing about co-op you know 300 apprenticeships um i think there's always been from my perception from the education side that there's one or two apprenticeships here and there maybe as a tick box exercise for an organization to say they've done it to meet a quota um and it's great to see that that is not the case that the apprenticeships are really valued part of organizations and organization growth and these new roles that didn't exist Mm. two years ago and they need young yeah. people with their ideas to fill them. Um, so it's fascinating to see that. And are you, are you still seeing that? Are you, do you think we're at the start of that and there's going to be a lot more of that coming in the next year or two? Yeah, I think, like I said, the effects of Brexit, the effects of the pandemic, the effects of the economy and, and, and all these variable factors that chop and change daily mm. will have an impact on the landscape. We're seeing that with, like I said, the co-op thing. We saw that during the pandemic with the increase in certain roles and decreasing in others hospitality and catering sector we haven't even mentioned that massive sector huge recruiter of people massive staff shortage at the moment yeah they're going to continue to try and plug those gaps for young people not just part-time workers i think there's a misconception people might go oh what part-time workers no apprentices front of house apprentices chefs and chef apprentices um housekeeper apprentice you know all these different different career pathways so so the market will react there'll also be some innovation in terms of career pathways we we don't even know exist you know at the end of the day thinking of jobs for the future you know if you said even two years ago that there's an apprenticeship and you work on i don't know robotics people go about that but that that you know a lot of this this change will happen as things innovate um obviously the caveat is, as uh, I don't know if you saw that GB News interview I did, there was a record number of um, university offers that were made this year. Um, but then again, you kind of expect that when the number of job roles on the market dipped so much when they were applying. When you had the option of UCAS and apprenticeships, there was loads of UCAS stuff you could apply for, yeah. not that many apprenticeships. So it's, it's a given that's going to happen. But I'm, I'm really confident that eventually they'll almost level out and, and they'll be 50-50, if not, hopefully. I'm not saying uni's great for certain people and it's great for certain career pathways, but actually I do do think that one day apprenticeships might be, a bit like in countries like Germany, might be the flagship op- opportunity and, and pathway for, for, for students. 
Yeah, and wouldn't that be great that students are aware of what's out there? Because I've always found that students just didn't know. They didn't even know degree apprenticeships existed or they were still yeah. battling the stigma of, but I don't want to be a bricklayer. And, you know, what you're doing is really breaking down those barriers to it. Um, a question that just come to mind, but I didn't prep you for, but I'm sure you'll be able to answer it. Yeah. With regards to the perception of apprenticeships, traineeships and things like that, is it a nationwide um is there a nationwide demand for them? Obviously, certain industries are based in certain areas of the country. I understand mm. that. But is, is there a perception that, oh, well, you're only going to get the good apprenticeships in London because that's mm. where all the good office jobs are or, or things like yeah. that? Or, or are, are you working on a real national basis with not going to uni? Yeah, I mean, we're definitely working on a national basis. I mean, funny enough, um, I was talking to a colleague the other day and we were laughing about um there was a software developer in for like an sme mm. in literally the middle of nowhere i mean the middle of nowhere but in terms of the role it was the same as being a software developer at google like you know the salary was the same the opportunity was the same blah blah the only difference was you don't work for google you work for an sme but we were laughing because we were like you we, there is generally opportunities everywhere and some of the opportunities are amazing like yeah. you know there's Obviously, you're always going to have a concentration in Bristol, London, Leeds, Manchester, Glasgow, Edinburgh. You know, yeah, that's a given because yeah, yeah. they're so populated with businesses, especially yeah. the big corporates. But people forget SMEs hire apprentices. SMEs hire first-year jobbers, which aren't an apprentice, but you go in straight from work. Um, there's gap. You know, there's so much opportunity out there, regardless of where you live um you know that shouldn't be a factor and obviously you've got to consider as well that with the pandemic the effects on how you work is also going to change um obviously with apprenticeships it's a bit of a interesting debate because obviously young people going into the world of work they want to have that face time with the employer they want to get them in that working environment but employers also know that the way of working is changing so they need to and i think there's still that argument and, and employers are still deciding how that looks long term for a, a school leaver at 18 or even remember 16 some apprentices going at 16 what do they do is it a blended working from home in the office approach and, and, and how does that work so all these things allow young people access at the end of the day so location hopefully should never be a deal breaker in deciding not to do an apprenticeship or not to not go to university Fantastic. And that would be great for young people everywhere to be aware of that. But just because you're not literally living in a city centre doesn't mean that what we're talking about today doesn't apply to you. And that yeah, there's a lot of opportunity exactly. out there, which is great. And in terms of opportunity, I mean, the government have uh, over the years, there's been a lot of different schemes and uh, ways to get people involved in apprenticeships and to get businesses on the side of them as well mm. and break down the perception from their side. So your things like your Kickstarter, your Build Back Better, uh, there was an increased levy this year that's continuing now till January, I believe, the £3,000 for businesses. Have you seen those make a real impact on apprenticeships with regards to government initiatives? And do you think they will continue to do those in the future? Yeah, I think we definitely saw um, in terms of a trend from the business perspective, in terms of clients working and not going to uni. After Rishi released his budget back in, is it uh, April, March yeah. time, when it usually gets released, yeah. there was that's when the kind of spike of new business started again. Um, I don't look, I'm, I'm assuming that that was a I don't know. Clients haven't downright said yet that was the reason. But a hell of a lot of his budget was around supporting young people, apprenticeships, 
traineeships. There was a big portion of that budget about supporting young people. And then it coincided that then all of a sudden this influx of activity started. Mm -hmm. so, so there was definitely a positive effect um, on the market. What I hope is that that continues. You, what, you, what you don't want is a big spike. Mm -hmm. And everyone goes, yeah, yeah, great. You know, I can make lots of money back from the government on this. And then, you know, if and when those schemes end, they stop. Because then that kind of defeats the object in my eyes, because the whole idea is you help young people. And it's not just a case of doing it because you're getting three or four grand. It's yeah. actually right. Yeah, we're getting some money back. Fine. Pays for advertising, pays for this, pays for that, pays for, you know, their expenses, whatever. But pays for a little bit of their salary. But actually, even when that ends, they should see the value in continuing to invest in young people as an employer. Yeah. And to bring those young people in, young people are always going to be here. And you can't, yeah. you know, if you're a business and you're only planning for the next six months or a year, then you're missing a trick uh, to, to get talented, really enthusiastic young people in on apprenticeships would be, yeah. it's a bonus, isn't it, for organisations? And that it's something and that they should of, be thinking about. There's a lot of industries, you've got to remember, where the workforce is ageing. Hmm. There's, there's a number of industries where the average age of employees is high, um, the you know the amount of people going on to retirement is high, so you don't want to keep hiring in that end of career bracket because it's only just going to keep going around in a circle. That every five years you've got massive turnover problems. Whereas then plugging those gaps with young talent that you can nurture and continue throughout their careers hopefully nullifies that. Um, funny enough, I remember to go back to co-op Danny co-op who I've mentioned the head of apprenticeships. We were talking about their funeral care division. Now, funeral care isn't necessarily very attractive. He said it's it's hard to make that industry 100% attractive, but it's an aging workforce. It's an it's a massively aging workforce for them. There's not many, if any, young people. They have a couple, and they put them on a pedestal, but they need to they need to fuel the fire for young people in in the co-op funeral care industry because otherwise they've got the same problem you're constantly turning over people that work for two three years at the very end of their career or they're semi-retired and uh, and so on and that's a prime example um so so employers need to strategically think about those those things and go right okay if we can bring young people in hopefully we've got them for longer and we we, we get rid of those issues we've faced and like you say, doing things for longer, I mean, not going to uni isn't going anywhere by the looks of it. You're going from strength to strength with some of the things you were talking about there. What's next for NGTU then as we go forward the next six months to a year? Do you have anything you're allowed to announce yet? Um, or are you going to be continuing to grow organically like we've seen um, the yeah. past six months, 12 months or so? Yeah, I mean, we've got some, yeah, some really cool conversations, especially um, with this sort of agency model we've pivoted to. Um, we're in conversations with a couple of clients where we'll actually ultimately be becoming the end-to-end -end agency, and we'll, which will be some pretty big contracts for us as a business. Um, some of the biggest, if not the biggest, we'll have ever ever closed, which is amazing. Um, just shows the value and the understanding that, that in terms of product market fit and, and you know, in business, I'm talking to an ex-business teacher who probably has spoken about product market fit a lot in his career. Um, <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's so important. And we've proven that in, in 10 months that we've, we've got product market fit and there's demand. Um, 
we're going to continue to grow. I have I have no doubts about it. Um, you know, my my attitude is there's there's a lot of people in the early career space. I don't worry about what competitors do. Don't worry about what organisation. I just worry about us and our growth. We lead from the front is my attitude, and we'll continue to do that. Um, and we'll continue to make a lot of noise doing it as well. More importantly, that's you know I'm really passionate about what we do, and I'm passionate about making as much noise as possible whilst we do it um, because that has ample benefits i funny enough i got a call with someone the other day and they started the call didn't even say hi how are you they went i see you everywhere <laughs> um they were like you're literally i can't get rid of you they're like on google i find you i go on social yeah. i find you i got my linkedin you're there. this is what i said to you before linkedin wasn't it but i'm saying yeah. you'll be initial all over the shop yeah yeah and that's you know that's great that's what we want to hear you know at the end of the day so we're going to continue, you know, this year we should have a really strong financial year for us as a business, which is great. Next year we should see another 20, 30% growth on top of that and, and there and there and there and out. Um, and I've got a great team behind me, a team that's going to grow as well, for sure. Um, we have a we have a core team of people employed by Not Going to Union, then an extended team of freelancers and contractors that work for us as well, um, who who are fantastic, and that that will keep growing, um, especially as the business keeps growing and and the obviously the revenue keeps growing. Um, so yeah, it's it's an exciting time. It feels like I've kind of I'm strapped to a rocket ship at the moment. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, non-stop, isn't it? Now for you, that's yeah. amazing. And twenty to thirty percent growth. There's going to be a lot of businesses would be very envious of that in this current economic climate. So that yeah. is not to be sniffed at at all, is it? Um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I, as we roll up, I'm going to ask you two more questions. Um, what I haven't really prepped you for them, but hey, you're doing amazing. So <laughs> the next one, and I know you can answer this, is. For people who have watched this, for young people who have watched this or listened to this, and they're still going, yeah, but university is like, that's what we do in our family, or this is what I'm supposed to do. Why should a young person choose an apprenticeship? Uh, how long's a piece of string? <laughs> the, you know, the like two or three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean, the one thing you've got to remember is, you go to university, you pay for the qualification. Let's say you want to do a degree. Of, let's say you want to do accounting at university. You can do an accounting degree apprenticeship. Your degree is paid for. You get a salary. You get the same qualification. Oh, and you're also three years ahead of everyone with your job. I, I, I know this sounds really, really kind of blasé, but in my eyes, it's a bit of a no-brainer when you put it as simply as that. If you can, if you can find your degree you want as a degree apprenticeship and you realise your degree is free, there's no debt, you get paid plus you probably go to a decent firm and you get three years of work experience which puts you hugely ahead of your peers what's the question do you know what i mean like it, it, it does it does bode that kind of attitude of well what's the difference i think yeah. and the other thing just to mention is parents are still the biggest problem in 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 that that debate um and the more we can do to educate parents the better because they will often be the reason you know not, not all the time but a fair amount of the time that a child goes down that university route um and that it shouldn't be like that you know i said it at the end of my gb news interview and i'll say it again now whatever your whatever young person decides to do support them in that you shouldn't be going oh well you know i wanted to gloat to aunt sandra that you went to university and yeah. <laughs> you know you should be gloating to aunt sandra that you're working at ey as an accountancy apprentice because that's cool that's good that's amazing yeah. 
people work a lot of years to do that um so, so you know it, it needs to be more from a position of support than it often it's from a position of gloat and it's from a position of status and it, it's not a status thing it should university your career shouldn't be a status thing it shouldn't be a keeping up with the joneses thing it should be something that you know that that young person decides yeah. um, and you support yeah. And don't you have a podcast for parents? Uh, that's that's where yeah. I saw you popping up on the LinkedIn this morning again. Um, <laughs> and don't, don't you have a, a podcast for parents? Is that new? Yeah, yeah. So we launched that a few months ago. So it's called The Parent Perspectives on all the same places you can listen to this um, by YouTube. Um, but we'll be going on YouTube at some point. Um but yeah, no, it, the whole idea was to give give parents careers information because there's not a lot of resources for parents. Mm. We're, we're guilty of it. Hold my hands up. We're guilty of it too, not putting out enough resource for parents. I think everyone in this space can hold their hands up and say, yeah. we can always do more. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a little thing of a bigger project. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You know, parents is one of those things that every year when I look at our strategy of growth, parents needs to be in that we need to consistently market and engage this audience um, because it, it will always, it, it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing yeah. project and the parent perspective will be part of that ongoing project. Yeah. And students are bombarded with so much in education, aren't they? Because there is so much out there. It's hard for yeah. them to dissect and go, well, I need to tell my family about this. I need to tell my family about that. And they can't yeah. always do that when guest speakers are coming in left, right and centre and um, pamphlets are being handed out and open days are <laughs> like every day, aren't they, for a certain period of the year. So uh, that, that's a great resource that you're providing to parents. So nice one on that. And I wanted to ask you one last question, if that's all right, which I haven't prepped you for. Yeah. Um, and that's going back to say 16 17 maybe 18 year old connor um if you could give yourself a little bit of advice back then that you wish somebody had given you or you wish that you had taken on maybe as a mantra is there anything that's kind of happened since then things that have gone right things that haven't gone to plan what advice would you give yourself for say 17 year old connor um don't be afraid to take risks i think it's the biggest thing um i've been you know i've, I've kind of throughout my career taken some mini risks some bigger risks it was it you know it, it it was a risk to leave spring pod when i did it was a risk to leave not going to uni when i did the first time it was a risk to go into the big bad world without a full-time job and didn't really know what i was doing you know i've taken risks in terms of our business in terms of how we grow and you know don't you know they always say nothing grows from your comfort zone and there's shed loads of cheesy quotes i could say right now but you know don't don't be afraid to take take calculated risks in your career and in 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 your in your journey because people i think there's always a misconception you know i'm only 22 i'm the managing director of a company but you know i'm 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 very young like i i can you know i've still got time on my side and people forget that you know so take risks whilst you can whilst you haven't got the mortgage behind you or the kids or this or that like you can afford to take these risks and you can afford to try new things. Um, you don't need to have your life made by 30. There's there's a really horrible misconception in the world that, you know, by 30 in this day and age, because of Instagram, social media, like you need to have a wife, have a kid, have, have a house, you need to have a million in the bank and own a load of NFTs and do this and do that. And, and actually, do you? Because, you know, look at historically, most millionaires didn't make their millions until 40 plus. And, you know, there's a lot of 
a lot of things out there. So so whilst you're young, enjoy it, take risks, um, and, and and remember that time's on your side. More importantly, brilliant, Connor. Thank you so much, and thanks for sharing Pleasure. what you do at Not Going to Uni. It's been great to really dive a bit deeper into it from just the surface that I normally see or that we normally see as okay. students and educators. Uh, stay on the line if you've got a minute yep. or two. Um, but for now, I'm going to say thank you so much for talking business. Really appreciate it. And uh, for everybody else, go check out Not Going to Uni. And we'll see you all again on Talking Business with Danny Pardo. Thanks very much, Connor. And bye-bye. Cheers. Thank you. Connor, thank you so much for taking the time out of your ridiculously busy schedule to talk with me here on Talking Business with Danny Pardo. really do appreciate your time and I have no doubt that our paths will be crossing many times as we move forward with both our careers. So, Connor, thank you and all the best to you and your team there and not going to uni and to everybody else. A big thank you as well. I appreciate the new likes, subscribers, ratings, reviews. Really appreciate those reviews. And you can say hi on all the social medias that you can find. I appreciate it. And until next time, thank you and cheerio. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talking Business with me, Danny Pardo. I hope the advice and insights in this episode make a difference to you, your studies and your career. You can find more by searching for Pardo's Business, that's me by the way, on Google, YouTube and Instagram. I'm also at Pardo's Business on Twitter. If you like what you heard, please do take a moment to rate, review, share and subscribe to this podcast. It's all very much appreciated. We'll catch you again soon on the next episode of Talking Business with Danny Pardo. Thanks and cheerio!